You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Pastor Bill's going to come up and preach to you again uh, about rejection. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 14. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen, but there's also a hardback black Bible in the prayer room. Um, if you need one, we'd love to give that to you as a gift. If you don't own a Bible, uh, you can just take that home with you today. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 14, where the Apostle Paul writes, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is God's word. Thank you, Pastor. As we said earlier, we're continuing in a series that has been going for some time in Life Church um, that is addressing areas of bondage, strongholds, and, and uh, places where really we as Christians battle uh, constantly sometimes. Uh, and uh, we very much want freedom. Sometimes that freedom doesn't come easy for some of us. And so we're trying to offer opportunities for greater understanding about those strongholds and how to get out of them. Uh, We want you to understand uh, very much your identity that is in Christ. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. Uh, We're focusing this Sunday on uh, the remainder of the material on rejection. Uh, And so I want to just encourage you to, to just let your heart be very open. The way that what happens to some of us when we start to to enter into a series like we're doing right now is that instead of enjoying the messages that are being preached, we, we don't like them. And the reason we don't like them isn't because of, of, of the fact that someone is not preaching a message the way we would like for them to, or it's not our style or our format or whatever, but oftentimes it's because it triggers a very uh, wounded or dark place in our soul, and so it's very difficult to go there. It's very difficult to look at that. And our prayer is and has been that as we're going through this particular series is that, that you understand that we're not asking you to go to those places alone, all right? We're, we're hoping that you understand that we are convinced that the Holy Spirit wants to take you to those places, all right? That, that God the Father really wants to go with you, that his intent is to take you somewhere that even though it feels like a vulnerable place or a hurt place or a wounded place, that the intent in going there is not to be hurt, not to, to relive wounds of the past, but it is to, to actually come out of that place in a greater and deeper wholeness 
than you've ever known before. And that, we believe, is the heart of God. And so even though this is a difficult series for many of us, and some of you have, have called or, or emailed or, or talked about with us these areas in tears and in brokenness going, you don't know what that pulled up in me. You don't know what that did in me. And yet each time God has been faithful, uh, and the testimonies are really great, that God is indeed healing. God is indeed bringing wholeness into our lives. And through all of that, we have been trying to show you through other people's lives some of God's goodness and God's grace, and we've done that through testimonies uh, each Sunday, and uh, this Sunday is no different. And I'm going to ask Elizabeth Sanchez if she would come up here with me. Would you give her your microphone, Pastor? Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk Elizabeth through her testimony a little bit with some questions this morning. Uh, so uh, I'm going to just like ask you, first of all, would you please, Elizabeth, talk to everyone just, just briefly about like, the dynamics of your family growing up and, and kind of what you went through growing up a little bit, okay? Mm-hmm. Yes. I was originally born in California, um, and my family, we were in a stable church, and I, feel, I felt like we were a very close family. I felt like... It was always fun because we were always together, and I enjoyed my time there so much. Um, and then there came a point where me and my family moved to Freeman, South Dakota. It's a tiny town, <laughs> and it was a whole new experience for us. Um, we went through things like rejection because we were very different. We were a Mexican-American. Well, my father's Mexican and my mother's American, so we were very mixed, and we were very different. Um, Every time we would go into a room, everybody would look at us, and I guess that was new for them, but we were... I remember as a young girl, I didn't understand what that was or why people reacted that way. Um, And so we were still a close family. I think we enjoyed our time together, and then as time went by, um, my dad wanted to go to school because he never got that experience in Mexico, and um, in him doing that, he wasn't always around, and then my mom was gone a lot because she had to take care of my grandma, and she worked night shifts, so she would sleep during the day, and um, there began this separation among us, and it didn't feel like it did in California. So, okay, so so you're experiencing rejection, not necessarily because you had bad parents, but yeah, just all of the circumstances put together yeah. started to speak to you. So mm-hmm. you're hearing messages out of your circumstances mm-hmm. rather than actual verbal rejection mm-hmm. from your family. Would would you talk just a minute about? What were the kind of fears that were coming up, rising up in you as you were experiencing this? Yeah, I think there's definitely a fear of failure and a fear of not being somebody that people, in my mind, that people wanted me to be, which is probably nothing, but I I think there was a lot of fear in failure and um, not being somebody that, I was having a high image of myself that I should be. Um, Talk to us a minute about 
what that did to you because as you and I have talked over time, you took on certain roles or certain responsibilities as a young girl that, yeah. that uh, it was really not necessarily fair for you. Could you just explain yeah. a little bit of that? I think because we did experience some rejection from other people, and I'm sure my dad experienced a lot more, I think it kind of, um, ref- or kind of was reflected onto us and um, me and my siblings. And then I think I felt very much like I, in a way, let down. Like, I don't want to let down my family. I want to be there for my family. I want to be the person who doesn't leave them alone. And I think slowly and slowly there, there was that separation um, from my family. And I started experiencing it more, especially with my dad. And um, I started losing that connection with my dad and I put the burden that it was my fault that I wasn't being a good daughter and that I wasn't being somebody that he wanted me to be and so that I think I put that huge burden that I couldn't let my family down and that I had to be there and I had to take on a burden to take care of my family and to help them get out of wherever they were at or whatever situation they were at. So when you talked to me about this, we talked about the idea of how that out of, out of that sense of rejection, you moved to function because you wanted to compensate for those feelings of rejection. And uh, you talked a little bit about sort of like how things got turned upside down and you were actually being more of a parent at times rather than a daughter and uh, feeling a bit robbed uh, in, in some ways with that. Um, can you talk a little bit about the emotion that was going on during yeah. that time? Yeah, I think when that was happening, I didn't really know how to be a daughter and I didn't know how to be a sibling just because um, it was such a confusing place where I didn't know my place in my family Um, as a daughter and as a sister Um, and I I didn't know my boundaries especially I think with family so that was a huge thing I didn't know how to react as a daughter if my parents would come to me with things Um, and I knew especially like as I got older I would start like taking the role of a parent in a way sometimes. I think my sister felt more burdened by that, but I just seeing her doing that, I think I felt like I had to do that too. Okay. So really, you lost your identity Yes. in your world, mm-hmm. and uh, you didn't have that. Talk for just a minute how that was redeemed. Okay. Yes. Um, I... So my relationship with my dad wasn't good, and I always tried to um, be a good daughter, and I really took in that verse of where it says, honor your father and your mother. Um, So I I really, I didn't know how that looked either, because I was a young girl, but I really wanted to do that, and I did that by just keeping my mouth shut, not saying anything. Um, And then 
I thought that the image that I had of my dad was okay. I thought that it was good. I thought that he, you know, I can, I can look past everything. I can forgive. But there was still a burden, and I didn't understand what was going on. And it just, I could see it affecting every part of my life. Um, and I just, I started talking to Pastor Bill about it, of course. And this series definitely has been a huge help because it really looks at the depth of what's going on in your life. And um, I think I, it really pinpointed me or showed, God showed me a lot that I was putting all this burden on myself that I didn't have to put on myself. And um, that definitely would have changed. I think that really helped in how I saw my family and how I took a different role in my family um, so I decided to start practicing that, and um, this last May, or this May, I went to New Mexico, where my dad is at right now, um, and it was, I don't know how to explain it, but my views of him were completely transformed. I, he was still the same person, and he still said the same things, but I I wasn't pierced by his words. I it was very different, and I think God really opened my eyes and showed me how I need to see my family, despite of what they're going through or the hurt that they've caused me. But it was very eye-opening, and it continue it continues to be like that for me. So. And as you talk to me, to sum it up here with you, a lot of that is because you have developed a new identity, which is in Christ and not in the expectations of your family Mm -hmm. and so forth, okay? Yeah. Thank you for being willing to share that with us. Okay. Okay, we, we talked a lot about some of the, uh, the things that affect us when we operate out of rejection last week. And uh, one of the things that we talked about early on in the message was how that our character is oftentimes forged by the hardships that we go through. Um, and this is especially true when we are going through things that pertain to relational difficulties that we might have uh, with one another. And oftentimes... Um, if the pain of those experiences uh, gets very uh, intense or very traumatic, uh, it can really paralyze us. But if we can see God at work in it, it can change how we are responding and how we are being affected by that. And what I want you to understand as we talk about this is that those places of pain that you have experienced, whether that was as a young child, as Elizabeth talked about, are in adulthood, um, if, if you can understand that those places are places where God is, all right? God has not abandoned you. God has not rejected you. Uh, that's not how you got into those places. But God can, in those places, use that rejection or use that abandonment and such to make you and I more like Jesus, 
In other words, we can grow. We can be transformed. And, and those places can actually produce a lot of fruit in our lives if we are able to let God work through those, those places. Here's what happens. Oftentimes when we experience rejection uh, or, or the trauma of rejection or abandonment, um, a lot of times we wall up or we build a wall around us so that God cannot use us, all right? And, and we, we actually create a system where we prevent God from doing the work that he wants to do. But if you and I will, re- if we will deal with rejection in a proper way, all right, if, if we will look at it in the right way, uh, we will begin to understand that, that our strength really, really does lie in Christ. Now, that's where we went last week. We used the same passage of Scripture today that we used last week from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, okay? But a lot of what we talked about last week was how much this passage reinforces us positionally, all right, where we are, who we are. Out of this passage, we understand numerous times it says, in Him, all right? In Him, meaning in Christ, we have redemption, all right? This is, this is a powerful message for you and I to grab a hold of. In Him, we have obtained an inheritance, all right? In Him, this is a guarantee, all right? So as we live in Christ, we are able to function out of the proper identity uh, that is ours, all right? The, the gift that we have through God, all right? Now, if you ever wonder why some people don't let you get close to them or you wonder why you are not able to get close to other people, oftentimes it is identity issues. We have wrong identities. Elizabeth's identity for a good portion of her life, um, and she's very okay with, with me sharing some of this stuff with you today, okay? But a lot of her identity was in a parental role even as a little girl. But she, she didn't understand that, all right, because of the rejection that was going on in her family and extended family. Some things were being pushed in certain ways, and so Elizabeth was feeling very much like a parent uh, rather than a little girl. And oftentimes when we have experienced some type of trauma or rejection, it can actually rob us, okay, of the ability to be in the appropriate age group where that trauma takes place. And oftentimes a person who has uh, deep trauma or deep wounds like that can feel very much stuck in a place emotionally and not be able to, to grow out of that very well. And oftentimes what builds out of that is the fear of man. And, and here's what I want to get at, too. This is one of the things that I want to talk to you about today because we are so very intent on, on you and I fulfilling the mission statement of this church, which is that we are to make disciples. Ultimately, we glorify God, but we do that by making disciples, and not only in our neighborhood, but wherever we might go, all right? And, and David's going to be talking to you more and more and more about being involved in some type of uh, relationship-based uh, uh, program in the church, okay, whether that's life groups or other types of small groups for discipleship, but if you and I are living out of rejection, if we're living out of that place and we are constantly putting up barriers, it's going to be impossible for you and I to relate on the level that Christ would have us relate to one another, 
And that is the intent of God. God's intent is relational. You are in Jesus. You have your redemption in Jesus. Uh, all of his purposes set forth, all right, in Christ, all right? And, and in him you've obtained this inheritance. What is this inheritance? This relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And we all have that together, all right? The purpose of that is for us to grow together, all right? And our hope then is in Christ, not in performance and not in relationships in the world and not in what other people think of us and those kinds of things. So if you and I are going to be able to truly, truly be the kind of people that God intends us to be and to be able to be relational with one another and grow and receive from one another what we need to become whole and, 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 and healthy people, it's going to require for those things to come down that we've put up in front of us to protect us or to hold us or to hold the world at bay. All right? And we're so good at that. All right? We all have our unique ways of doing that sort of thing. And the reason is because rejection is common to all of us. I want you to understand that today. And I think that's one of the reasons that we have some of these wonderful passages like Ephesians chapter 1 uh, and, and passages in Romans and other places where there is a lot of effort to affirm us and to establish our identity. All right? Your identity doesn't rest in the world. Your identity doesn't rest in what someone else thinks of you. Your identity doesn't rest in how well you do your job. Your, your identity doesn't rest in a particular number of likes on Facebook. All right? These are, these are not places that should give you identity. Identity should come from no other place but in Him. In Christ, all right? In Him, you have already obtained your inheritance. You've already received what is yours, spiritually speaking, through Christ, all right? So why go out and try to, to, to validate that in some other way or in some other experience? And I want you to understand that, that it's not like you're sitting, and we want to expose this today, all right? You're not sitting here the only one who's ever been rejected, you're not sitting here in some way, you're the only one that's defective. Or you're, the, you're not sitting here, you're the only one that, that something is wrong with. That's what the devil would love to tell you. The enemy would love for you to think no one will ever understand. And if I share this with anybody, it, it's going to cause everybody to think I'm weird or I'm messed up. And I'm going to lose any friendships I have or any relationships I already have. And so I have to keep this a secret. And I realize that I'm imperfect and I'm rejectable and I'm one who can be abandoned and all these things, which are really lies from hell. But we believe them and they speak loud to us. And when we, we, we start to fear what man thinks, we start to fear what someone else's expectations might be. We start to fear failure. In Elizabeth's case, it was trying just to figure out what do I need to do right? How do I get accepted? And I think that's true for a lot of us. It was true in my life. Well, okay, I know I'm rejected. I wasn't, but I believed I was. Okay. I know I'm rejected. Now, what do I do to get accepted? How do I figure out what's the system? What are the rules? You know, what, what do you have to do? I'll do it. Just tell me what I got to do, Dad, and I'll do it, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll jump through every hoop you've got. I'll, I'll do it a thousand times over. I just want to be accepted. 
And so we begin to live out of that performance and we begin to live out of that, those works, if you will, because we are so afraid of that rejection. And Jesus says, I came to give you life and to give you that abundant. I, I came for you to receive that acceptance. And here's the amazing thing. I'm saying today that every one of us has experienced rejection and we have on some level, some ver- and for some of you it's been traumatic and I understand that. And we want to help you walk through that and get beyond that, okay? But we, we, we all have experienced it and will probably experience it again. And historically in the Bible we see rejection happening all the time. Noah was rejected by the whole of society. Uh, Joseph was rejected by his brothers. Moses was rejected by all of his followers. David was rejected by his brothers and by King Saul. Uh, You look at the prophets, Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah, they were all rejected by kings and by other leaders. The disciples were rejected uh, by the religious establishment of the day. And let me tell you this, ultimately, Jesus was deeply rejected and continues to be rejected. And yet, he was willing to be so that you and I might be accepted. That's the message, that's the gospel that we have right here today, is that he did what you and I could not do. He overcame that rejection in order for you and I to be accepted with the Father. And so for some of you, this stuff is very personal. It gets, it gets really in there, it gets really deep in you, and, uh, and it, it bothers you, and you wrestle with it sometimes uh, even through the night, some of you have shared of, of just waking up in the night and just feeling these feelings of being rejected or being abandoned. And for a lot of you, you describe it in terms of grieving. All right, You grieve something that you didn't have or something that you missed or something that was lost and maybe can't even really define it, can't even really describe it very well. But it's a reality that something is lost and I can't get it back. I can't. I can't go get that. It's gone forever. And those kinds of feelings affect us. They affect us intellectually. They affect us physically. They affect us emotionally. They affect us spiritually. And that's where it really gets rough. It's when spiritually we begin to look and view God as though he would reject us or he has abandoned us. Because that's what the enemy would love to do, would cut in on that relationship. See, the enemy is all about breaking relationship. The enemy has no desire for you to be in relationship with God. He has no desire for you to be in relationship with your spouse or your children or your parents. He has no desire for you to be in relationship with anyone in this church. If the enemy could have his way in here, he would turn every one of you against each other. And so it behooves you and I that we live intentionally and purposefully with the, with the desire to be relational with one another. And that takes time, and that takes energy, and that takes effort, and that takes living in the truth and being able to, to, to bring that truth not only to our own heart and mind and soul, but also to others. And that's what we're talking about when we say we want to be disciples and we want to make disciples. We want to, we want to help one another grow and mature into the people that God intends us to be because that is our inheritance that we have in Him. All right? And you can't do that when you and I are living in the fear of man. We, we can't do that when we're living in the fear of some type of rejection or abandonment. 
And so we have to be able to, 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 to break through those barriers, if you would, and, and, and get over this fear thing because the consequences of fearing others is, is, is really, really awful. Saul, King Saul, he admitted to Samuel, he says, yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command. And then he explains why he disobeyed, why he went into sin, willful sin. He said, for I was afraid of the people and of what they demanded. Pastor Dave talked to you about all of this in in the message on insecurity. We can get so afraid of things that we miss God's best for us. But we can also get so afraid of people that we willfully disobey the truth of God's word. And when we do that, we're opening that door. We're, we're, we're allowing the enemy to come in in that place and begin to establish some type of stronghold in our lives. And so we have to begin to move beyond that place of living in that kind of culture of rejection, all right? And, and, and you, can, you can Google, um, you know, characteristics of a rejected spirit and, and come up with a, a, just a, a ton, I mean, a huge list of things that you can identify with, all right? And I'm not advocating necessarily that you do that today, all right? <laughs> Don't go home and sit down and just start focusing on how you feel rejected, all right? The key here is that we understand that, hey, you know what? I, I identify, I realize that I operate in some of this dynamic of rejection or the fear of rejection, all right? The fear of abandonment. And I can even identify the places in my life historically where things have happened to me that have caused rejection. I, I got it, okay? I understand that. Okay, That's, that is good for you to be able to, to look at that and identify that. But the key here is that we move beyond that place and we begin to identify who we are in Christ, all right? We begin to live out of that place where we are in Jesus and we're operating out of that that identity, which might be an absolutely new identity for you and I, all right? But I want you to understand that that Jesus is the model. Jesus is the place where we go and where we begin to see accurately how we need to live and how we need to respond. He was indeed the most rejected uh, person in all of human history. And Isaiah 53 says, He was despised and he was rejected by men. Matter of fact, it, it explains it so good. It says, like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. All right? That's super rejection right there. All right? When someone didn't even want to look upon him. All right? That's how rejected he was. And as he went in and taught, even in his own city, he was rejected there deeply. All right? So, so we see Jesus experiencing rejection uh, time and time again. And the amazing thing is he never let the fear of man invade. He never let the fear of man get in. He always understood that men's words were men's words. And I think one of the amazing things that happened that, that, that was so powerful in the story of Jesus was that at his baptism, the Father speaks from heaven and he says, This is my beloved son. This is my son I love deeply. 
All right? Now, I love that because there was no strings attached to that message. This is my son I love unconditionally. All right? I remember growing up, and I remember my dad and a couple of other dads like my dad who were post-World War II guys, you know, they didn't say they didn't they didn't tell a whole lot of people they loved them, you know. That just you just didn't do that, you know. That, they were real manly men, you know, and they couldn't like share uh, their feelings, you know. But my dad, once in a while, I would hear him talk to my mom, and uh, at night, you know, instead of like I would watch like these these cheesy shows of families, you know, back in in the '60s. And uh, there was always, you know, the perfect dad and the perfect mom and the perfect two kids. And at night it was like, good night, sweetheart. Oh, good night, honey. You know, and then, you know, and, and I was like, wow, that's it right there, man. That, you know, I can't wait till I grow up. And, well, maybe I could, you know. But, uh, but that was kind of the, the imagery that we had. And then I would, I would, like, watch to see. I wanted my dad to do that. Like, I wanted to see how my dad did that. And my dad would walk by and he'd go, you know I love you. Go to bed, you know. Or he would just go to bed. (laughs) There wasn't a lot of that affirmation. But I grew up in a culture where also sometimes strings were attached. I love you if. I'll love you when. You know, so we we put these conditions on our love. But God didn't say I'll love you once you start doing good works. He said, this is my son in whom I love. This passage that we read says, in him, the one who is loved unconditionally, you have an inheritance. What does that mean? Well, if I had an inheritance that came from my father, then I could bestow that inheritance on my sons and daughters. And it would only be right that they would receive whatever was there because they are my sons and daughters. We are joint heirs with Christ. Therefore, we have the privilege of receiving everything that Christ has received. Therefore, we are privileged to receive the love of the Father that is unconditional and you don't have to do anything to get it. It's yours. It belongs to you. It's a gift to you, and you can receive it, and you don't earn it. You don't trade for it. You don't barter to get it. There's nothing that you have to give up to get that love. It is there for you already, and that approval means everything, and that approval must rise above the approval of man for you and I to be able to walk in wholeness and completeness. And so this whole thing of rejection, you're going to get it. It's going to happen. It happened to Jesus, all right? But it is the Father's acceptance that solidifies your position in Christ. And that is eternal. That is always. Nothing can take that away from you, all right? Nothing can move you out of that place of that kind of acceptance, all right? And so here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to just sort of solidify that today, and I want to take you into Romans chapter 8, and I want you just to listen here to what it says, all right? 
says, first is a question that's posed in verse 31. What shall we say to these things? In other words, all of this that has been talked about prior to this, and you can go back and read all of that, but he says, what shall we say to these things, all right? If God is for us, and based on the passage that we read in Ephesians, he is totally for us, all right? He has predestined us into life with him, and we have this life in Christ, all right? And it's sealed in Christ, So there's no extracting us out of that, okay? He who did not spare his own son, in other words, he didn't hold him to himself, but gave him up for all, that's you and I, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? All right? All of this inheritance is yours to have and to experience, all right? The enemy would love to sit you down and convince you that, you know what, it was for everybody else but you. You know, how many of you have felt that way from time to time? Like, okay, I I can, guys, I can pray for someone else to receive all kinds of blessings from God. It's much harder for me to believe that God has that same blessing for me. I love praying for other people. But I tend not to pray for myself. And I realize that there is, there is a, a, a deficiency of faith on my part to pray for me. Why? Because I'm battling my identity. I'm not seeing myself the same as I see others. I'm not seeing myself as the same kind of son that I would see David as. And I can pray for him all day because I believe God loves him. I believe God wants to give him everything. But when I approach God for myself because of battling rejection and abandonment in my history, it's a different place and dynamic. And I have to break through that and, be, and first reestablish at times my identity that is in Christ. And say, okay, I have to operate out of this place and I have to function here. And my prayer has to begin out of this identity that I have rooted in Jesus Christ. He goes on, he says, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Man never justifies you before God. All right? And man cannot condemn you before God. All right? You are his. You are in him. All right? He justifies. Who is to condemn then? Jesus Christ is the one who died, and more than that, who was raised, hallelujah, all right, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. I love this next question. Who shall separate us from the love of God? And then he goes on, he says, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. No, none of these things, all right? There is nothing because you are made more than a conqueror. All right? You you are living in this victorious place through him, in him, through him, that is Jesus who loved us. And then he goes on and says, I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to do what? Separate us. In other words, cause us to feel and and believe and be convinced that we have been abandoned or rejected in some way. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because we're in Him. 
We're in Him. And when those feelings start to manifest in your heart and in your mind, the enemy is trying to get you to step out of that truth and that position that you have in Christ. The intent of God is that you stay there because nothing, he says, can separate you from that love. We live in that love, and therefore in that love, we overcome rejection in our lives. Will you remember it from time to time? Yes. There will be times when things will come to mind. They'll be brought up in your thinking, and you'll recall stuff, but you don't live there. And those Memories and those experiences do not define you. They do not say who you are. You are in Christ. All right? And so you don't live out of that place. You don't live out of that experience. You don't live out of that memory. You don't live out of that pain. You live in the truth and the reality of who you are in Jesus Christ. And that's who you are today. And so you do. When you've done everything else you can to stand, then you stand. You stand in that truth and that reality, all right? So we see here a Jesus who was willing to be forsaken, willing to be rejected, willing to be abandoned in order that we could be accepted. And that is that beautiful gospel that we have, all right? And so that may be where you need to start is right there with that gospel hope, all right? So Kayla's going to come, and she's going to share that gospel with you this morning. And... uh, I want to challenge you that you take these scriptures that we've given you over these past two Sundays and you live in this truth. You live in this reality, if you will. Okay? Kayla. As Pastor Bill has said, this Jesus has taken on the rejection that belongs to us. This Jesus understands what we've experienced. He took on flesh. He came and he lived among men and women and experienced the hardship of life. He experienced broken relationships with people who didn't trust the goodness of who he was. And he is the God who has taken on all of our experiences, has suffered death on our behalf, and has been raised to life. He is this Jesus who invites us out of rejection into acceptance, into a place of hope and of being loved and of being known. And so This is our good news, that we are no longer rejected, that we have a place of belonging, and that that cannot be taken from us. And so if this is something that you're hearing for the first time, and you're like, this sounds way too good to be true, Um, I get that. I've been there. And there is a prayer team that will come up, and they would love to talk with you and pray with you um, about all of the hard things that come along with rejection and where we've been at in life. Um, And They'll talk you through some um, good truths of who this Jesus is. So they're people you can trust. They're people who care about you deeply. Um, And so you are invited to come and talk with them. And um, you are invited into this place of hope, this place of belonging. Um, And so I'll pray for us as we close. And then if you want to come up and pray with someone on the prayer team, you're welcome to do that. Otherwise, um, you can quietly exit for those who are going to stay and pray. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you know us and that you still continue to pursue us, that you accept us um, with all of our flaws and that you um, see us as yours. God, we ask that you would help us 
to be secure in who um, you are, that we would know that we are loved, that we would be able to work through our issues with rejection, that we would find our hope in you, and that we would cling to you and your goodness and your truth. God, we pray that this week you would help us to be people who proclaim hope and acceptance to others, that we would communicate your good news through the way that we interact with people, through the words that we say, through the ways that we show love. And so we trust you. We love you. We praise you. And we pray all these things in your awesome name. Amen.